The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio. We use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible. As the authoritative word of God, glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and there you'll see there's two videos on the top of the page. Of course, Bradley's not uh, doing any shows this week. I guess that kind of takes off from the rush and... Maybe you don't get good internet somewhere or whatever the case may be. But anyway, he's got some of his teaching videos we're putting up there, um, both on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com and on BeforeIt'sNews.com at the time of his show. So be sure to check some of those out. That's on the left side of the page. On the right side of the page is where we're streaming live. So be sure to just click on that, click on the play, blow it up on your device. Click in the, on the right 
lower right hand side there's a rumble icon click on that and you can join us in the chat we are streaming on rumble which is sons of liberty radio live if you go over there to rumble.com and uh, be sure to subscribe there we're also streaming on beforeitsnews.com top of the page dlive.tv tv at the sons of liberty and then also twitch at setting brush fires and uh if you ever find, look, guys, whatever platform you're on, some of you guys are on my personal page and my public page on Facebook. Whatever platform goes down, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com, write video there. That's where you'll see something if there's something to see. <laughs> okay. So we may get kicked off another platform. Who knows? We're going to see. I, I'm, there are platforms that are allowing for live stream, but they only allow live stream directly off of their web page. So I can't incorporate that unless I have some kind of stream key to do that with and they're not giving those so there are several places that allow for live streaming kind of like what you do a facebook live but they don't have the ability for me to put it into our streaming service so that we could just stream when we stream all these others anyway uh, that's neither here nor there but that is how it works okay right below that is where you can sign up for email newsletter please do that and help us out by the way uh and made I, I try to remember to do this but i i forget it if you really like the the pre-show music um some of you like it some of you don't that's okay um christian homeschool celtic metal mom leah has been kind enough to let us uh, use her music that is one of my favorite songs that i played this morning i probably play it every week it's a 10 minute song that's about five minutes of it and um, if you like what, what she does, check out the archive. You can get the, the link in there, or you can go to leah.bandcamp.net. I think that's how it is. Or leahthemusic.com, I think, is the other one that you can go to. Uh, but you can pick up her stuff there. She's also got a book out you can find. It's called Diapers, uh, Diapers Dishes, and Dominion, if you want to get that. that's it's, I don't think it's in print anymore, but American Vision does have it. And it's a little pricey now. I think it used to be a lot cheaper, but it's about 30 something dollars. But great book to have if you want to, uh, you know, it's belated Mother's Day. You want to give mom a, a little late gift. That's a great one to do. And uh, yeah, you'll really appreciate that. And that's from our friend Leah. Okay. Now, if you would like to help us out, there's a donate button at the top of sonslibertymedia.com. We're not just doing this. We're doing what Bradley's doing out in California, teaching our Christian constitutional heritage. Uh, I got to tell you, a little envious. <laughs> gonna have to repent of that but uh bradley and his family were going to spend some time with tony roman and eat some of that good authentic low country italian food out there and i'm sure there was some great conversation too as well we uh, tony was going to be doing the show with us and he just gets so busy sometimes we can't coordinate a time but we're going to bring him back on you guys really appreciated what he had to say very straight shooter i really like tony uh, but if you'd like to help us out in doing what we're doing on this coast and on the West Coast, uh, there's a donate button. Click on that, make a one-time donation, or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. That link is also available. Our store is available. And this week we are highlighting, uh, due to the whole abortion issue that's going on, the For the Children book again. This is Stephanie's book. It's normally $10. You can get 25% off now through Saturday night, tomorrow night at midnight uh, when you use the promo code LIFE. Pretty simple. Use LIFE. Get 25% off the For the Children book. Get some of these, pass them out to your representatives, whether they're at the local level, state, county, federal, whatever the case may be. Um, be sure to do that, especially for those who are pro-choice to murder babies. Right? And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a video before we bring David on this morning uh, concerning that. You'll, you'll, you'll just be going like, do these people even engage their brain? 
No, they don't. They suppress the truth and unrighteousness is what the Bible says, uh, Romans chapter 1, and we'll see that in just a second. A couple of headlines here. Miami International Airport rolls out the largest biometric tech in the U.S. So if you guys were paying attention the other day, we had that story out of Uganda where they were trying to do DNA upgrades for biometric ID cards. It's in the States. Remember these airlines and airports were the ones oppressing you, America. They were the ones oppressing you. Now they backed off a little bit because the Fed said, oh, it's okay if you don't wear a mask. Remember that? Now they're going to get some money to be built up so they can use it against you again in a couple of months. We're already seeing uh, this small smallpox-like disease now spreading to Spain, Portugal, and the U.S., and this is one I guess you can actually you can actually see it, unlike the convids. And interestingly enough, our government had already bought up 13 million doses of monkeypox um, shots. All right. Now, if that isn't telling you what they're doing and how they they somehow oh we were just fortunate enough to go ahead and buy all those shots. Because we thought we might have another pandemic. And sure enough, here it comes. Right? By the way, you can read that on sonsoflibertymedia.com as well. And then this one. I, this is a comedy relief. Now listen, it's got some language in it. But <laughs> there was a Marine who had a guy in his neighborhood who was stealing his packages off his front porch. So he booby traps the package. He put some blank 12-gauge little primers in there with a trip switch that you can actually you can actually buy these things online this whole little kit the box the switch and the uh the little blanks right and this guy goes up to the porch grabs the box goes to run away and it (laughs) makes a noise scares him half to death the guy literally soles his shorts okay literally and he's sitting on the porch trying to tell the guy he wasn't trying to steal it while the Marine inside is just, he's giving it to him up one side and down. The, well, what do you call that? You took my package and, oh, it, but it does have language. But even if you don't, even if you don't get the other, just the hilarity of what happened with this guy. Oh, and he sits there and tries to justify himself. Boy, if that isn't a sinner putting the fig leaves on. I don't know what it is. Seriously. Uh, also, sonsalertymedia.com. The people form World Health Freedom Declaration against the Who's tyrannical power grab. If you're interested in signing that, you can do that. Um, I think a lot of people are... I, it's, a, it's a fascinating thing. The reason I put it out is because it's encouraging to see people still staying at this. But there's got to be more than walking the street rallies, and there's got to be more than signing documents. There's got to be justice, and that's what—that's the one thing we're leaving off. Also, the last Americans to believe in the voluntary union of the states is from our friend Thomas DiLorenzo. Uh, be sure to check that out because a lot of people think, and you'll see some of the quotes. Let me give you a couple of those just for people who are listening. Uh, Thomas Jefferson said, if there be a separation, and that was a secession of New England, then God bless them, the two countries both, and keep them in union if it be for their good, but separate them if it be for better. And then the guy that everybody wants to claim is the greatest president in the in in US history, which is absolute nonsense. He was one of the greatest tyrants, Abraham Lincoln. Here's what he had to say in contradiction to Jefferson. No state can lawfully get out of the union. 
acts against the authority of the United States are insurrectionary. Huh. Yeah, he's a great president, isn't he? And then we had uh, General Sherman. Extermination not of soldiers alone. That is the least of the trouble, but the people of the South. That's 1862. That's, uh, that's uh, Lincoln's uh, bulldog. All right? A wicked man is what he was. Um, okay, so I got two videos for you, and then we're going to bring David on. This one comes, some of you have probably seen this. This is a George Bush's Freudian slip on Ukraine, and he's referencing himself. Um, anyway, listen to this. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. <laughs> like Americans are opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, Iraq, too. See? 75. Uh, <laughs> see? See, they play, the, they play this game, and then they act like, oh, it was a mistake. No, that's in your subconscious, and it's coming out. You're telling on yourself. This is what this guy did. This is not a good president. This guy was a tyrant, just like Lincoln. And uh, the terror that he inflicted, not only on foreign countries, but even among his own people. We have the entire DHS thing and the, all this stuff at the airports and all that other as a result of this man right here. And the people standing down to him, thinking he was protecting them. One more. Uh, I told you I've got one on a pro-choice. If you haven't heard this lady, I, I think her and the new White House press secretary are somehow twins. Because uh, she's just as dumb as a box of hammers, too. In fact, she reads off like a politician here. You'll see it in a second when she's asked directly uh, what the difference between a newborn and a two-year-old is, or one just... Getting ready to be born. Check it out. Let me ask the abortion advocate, Ms. Armbide, to answer my questions on this subject. Ma'am, you testified that you are, quote, unapologetic in seeking unrestricted abortion access. So I'm wondering, at what point is it not okay to abort a child? What, what age of gestation? I trust all people to determine what they can and can't do with their bodies. We'll stop. Okay. I also believe that human rights, um, including access to the medical care, medical care that they need within their communities, is something that should be afforded everyone. Great. Okay. So you, you support late-term abortion? I support all people and trust That means late-term abortion. Do you support part of I have a little script here that I read. In other words, the child is half delivered. Did you not hear what I said? And then the woman says... My right. I want to take that one out. You support that? I trust people to make decisions about wow. the body. Wow. Okay. What? What about um? So, I'll so bet she would want you to wear that in, mask and get the shot though. for any reason, for any purpose, at any stage, right? I trust people to make decisions about their body, and then when relevant, I think that they need to consult their medical practitioners. Did somebody okay. just pull a string out of this lady's back this and let it go? Is that if what it is on? not lawful and morally acceptable to take the life of a 10-year-old child, I assume you agree with that, right? That would be wrong, correct? I believe that. Okay, that is and wrong. a 2-year-old child, same thing, that would be murder. We would all agree that's wrong. Then what is the principal distinction between the human being that is 2 years old or 9 months old 
or one week old or an hour old than one that is eight inches. Latter case and not the former cases. I trust people to determine what to do with their own body. Wow. <laughs> Somebody pulled the string again. Full stop. Wow. Full stop indeed. And that describes right there exactly what this is about. There's a legal issue here, but un underneath that is a moral issue. It's about reality. It's about science, the advancement of medical technology. You're talking about unborn children. And your, your full stop is that you will support the termination of that child at any time. And that is frightening. And that is why... This decision it's be criminal. It's not frightening. It's criminal. Protect the sanctity of every single human <laughs> life and live up to the standards of our Declaration of Independence. So you'll back. Well, you know, yeah. yields back, uh, Ms. Bass. I'm having a little uh, trouble here. Mr. I hit Chair, the wrong or... button a minute ago. Sorry about that. But you see what's going on here. This woman, she obviously, you see her stop. Those of you on the radio can't see it, but you see her stop because she's going, oh, this guy's got me. I have to revert back. Pull my string. Chatty Caffey doll comes out. And it's, and there's a ton of people who think like this. They really do. Some of them call themselves conservatives. Some of themselves call them Christians. Some of them call themselves constitutionalists. But when you, when you actually get down to it, what are they doing? They're advocating for murder. That's, I, there's no other way to say it. And uh, I, boy, I just, sometimes there are, you know, nothing really shocks me, but sometimes there are things where I just kind of do that, you know, you know how the dog looks at you, like when you blow the whistle and he kind of goes, and his ears perked up, you got the doggy head tilt thing. That's what I did yesterday when I saw this. So anyway, that'll be in the archive if you want to share that with your friends. And then don't forget, we have bonus videos in there too. And a lot of those cover a, a wide range of uh, subjects that we talk about. Now, today we're in our third series here on prepping. And uh, one of the things we're going to talk about building dwellings, uh, makeshift shelters, if you have to do that, and some some ideas on root cellars and things. And to help me do that is my friend David Pruitt from the Miracle Salve. Good morning, David. How are you, man? Blessed morning. Blessed as always. Yeah, I think I think both of us uh, we said, "How are you doing?" Oh, I think I need a nap after this or something. We've had some some busy days here, but uh, yeah. but yeah, this one's going to be interesting because one of the things, David, is that I saw your dad, and I was telling you about it yesterday. Uh, David's dad had a picture where he was taking his chainsaw and he's milling out the trees with the chainsaw, so he's making some boards so that they can build things. And I came across a little like a rig that you can buy. It's about a hundred bucks. I don't have a hundred bucks to get it, but when I do, I'm going to get that and I'm going to be dealing with some of these trees out here for it, uh, that you can put your, your chainsaw in and it runs it and it cuts all of them the same size. You, you just got to run it across the tree. And, um, I thought, well, I can make some little enclosures and stuff. Cause my kids have never had anything where they could put like a bike under or something without it rusting and everything. So it'd be great. If, you know, if I could have just a little small enclosure that doesn't cost it. And if you got trees down and on, you can use those. Why not do that? And it doesn't really cost you anything except for some nails and some time. So I'm going to be looking at doing some of that. But uh, but you you guys have had some experience doing a lot of this kind of stuff, especially working you know with tree resins and things of that nature. You're using all the 
the resources that God's given there. So let's talk a little bit about this and some ideas that people can be thinking about. Maybe they're bugging out and they don't have a place. Maybe they are um, have a piece of land and instead of wanting to bug out, they're just going to go back on another piece of their property to some kind of hidden dwelling that they're going to build, maybe in the side of a hill or something like that. And we want to get some ideas like that that people can use. Um, and then, of course, root cellars. Uh, that way you get some kind of bit of cooling without you know refrigeration and things of that nature which is something that our forefathers did so i'll turn it over to you man okay so the first thing that i always tell people i care about when they start looking is first things first you want to see what resources you've got on the land so that could be wood it could be you know if you're in the desert it could be sand it could be rock you could have a ton of tumbleweeds um if you're in uh, the D.C. area, you might have a excess of uh, manure, um, but that doesn't build such great houses. <laughs> uh, anyhow, you, you want to figure out what resources you've got, whether it be rock, whether it be, um, you know, it, it could be any number of things. Um, you know, maybe you've got a ton of clay on the on the land and you're, you're looking into doing your own kind of hand sculpted house or something along those lines. Um, but you need to ask yourself what resources are available because more than likely, if you've looked at lumber prices lately, you're not going to want to be building it with store-bought lumber. And the quality of lumber has gone down significantly in the last hundred years. What people sell as premium lumber now would not have even been used as scrap wood a hundred years ago. Um, but so the second thing, once we've decided on our resources, we have to decide on the building location based on the different building location options that we have to us. There may only be one good building location. Um, it may be underground. It may be above ground. It may be partially below ground. Um, the cool thing about building underground is once you get a certain level beneath the ground in, in most areas, unless you've got permafrost, um, the temperature seems to normalize. So what that means is that means, you know, if you've got a 60 degree ground temperature, eight feet down in the middle of January, in the middle of Illinois, let's say then that means that at 60 degrees, your, your home is going to stay at 60 or your dwelling, whatever it is, is going to stay at 60, even when it's much cooler outside because that's a stabilized temperature, okay? And that means it's going to be much easier to heat because now you only have to heat it from 60 to like, let's say you, you want to keep it nice and toasty, 80 degrees. So now you only have to heat it from 60 to 80 degrees instead of from like, you know, 30 degrees to 80 degrees. So that helps a lot. Then the third thing, when we start building, I want you to think about this. Good foundations are probably the most overlooked thing. Um, you know, the word speaks about this. You don't have a good foundation. You're not going to have anything that's going to be going good for you. That's right. And the, the thing is, and this goes for your faith, this goes for your, um, you know, your spiritual health. This is going to go for so many things in your life. 
Um, if you don't have a good foundation, you're not going to go anywhere with it. Okay. So when you start building, whether it be, and I want you to write a few things down because I'm sure most of you haven't heard of these because Tim didn't, hadn't heard of a few of these. Um, so rammed earth is a interesting building concept, rammed, R-A-M-M-E-D, earth. Um, and you can use either a small amount of concrete or clay, and you can. T- there are various ways to test it. Um, one of the oldest inhabited apartment buildings, if I remember correctly, is in China, and it's like 2,000 years old um, or something like that, 1,700 years old, and it's still inhabited, and it's made out of rammed earth. Um, so rammed earth is one uh, possible option. The next option and I'm not saying these in any specific order. I'm just kind of going through them so you guys can look them up so you can get a download, an information download, and then you can see what resources are best in your area. The next option that a lot of people have not heard of is cordwood, C-O-R-D, wood building. Um, The thing I like about cordwood building is you can cut the length of the logs to make, you can cut them longer to make thicker walls so you get better insulation value. Insulation value, you know, when you're cutting firewood by hand, you're going to appreciate having all the insulation value you can. Okay, the next thing, um, you know, most people have heard of log cabins, that kind of thing, but I want you to think of timber-framed hybrid designs. So that can use big timbers, and then you can um, either use straw bales in there or, um, you know, with some type of a homemade stucco concoction on the outside of it. I've seen things like that. You can use all kinds of different building materials, adobe, cob. Um, The possibilities are really limitless. Um, And then there are more... Uh, These are all good long-term building solutions, depending on your location and your goals. Now, there are easier things to do. You can build very improvised structures. I've seen uh, small like caves, things like that, dug out of the side of hills. Um, Now, David, there... you were mentioning materials, and you're you're going mainly with what's natural, what you find on the land, and this this that and the other. But there are some things that are coming out now, even for more you know structures that are not necessarily what we're talking about, where they're using you know they're bringing back hemp now that that's been sort of uh, legalized, if you will, whatever. Uh, I always think that government doing that is a sure sign that they're playing God because they think they're more godly than God, and you can't touch this and taste that and whatever. Anyway. The hemp, the hemp crete is one of the things. Mix up your own, fill up the walls with them. Um, the other one is uh, the hemp blocks that they make, where you literally you have something and you just stack them on top of each other like a bunch of Legos. And so the development of some of these more natural resources to build and things like that is already come into the commercial market. Uh, would that be something that you might say would be recommended on some of these projects that you might do if you can, people can do it? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for commercial building options. The, my, my problem, and I love hempcrete. Um, I played around a lot with, I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but others probably have who watched the stream is papercrete. I played around with that. Um, I've also played around with earth bag construction, um, quite a bit of that. 
Um, I've done some rock building, you know, just I've done a little bit of all those things. And, and what I found is um, doesn't really matter what it's made out of as long as it's built right. If it's built right, you're all good to go. Um, I've seen some houses that I would not have built them that way, but the people put good quality materials that were store-bought in there and they overbuilt it. Although I didn't care for the layout, things like that. Like one guy saw him, he had like two and a half foot thick um, papercrete walls. Now, papercrete, wow. uh, you can take like recycled newspaper, things like that, and you can actually make your own um, papercrete and you can make your own blocks. That's what he did. And then he, what, what he did is in his mold, he had rebar that he would shove down in there with a, he had some kind of releasing agent that I think he used petroleum jelly or something like that. So when he would take these, um, these blocks, he'd set them up and then he'd pound rebar through them, through those, those holes. Um, and that was how he was locking everything together, that mortar and all, you know, there's, there's a million ways to do these things. So you're really only limited by your imagination. And I think that as, you know, with gas prices being what they are, building materials being what they are, I think that you're going to see a lot more innovative building, a lot more of it in a lot of different ways, not just one way, but a lot of different ways. Um, so hempcrete is something that I'm all for. The other, the other problem with um, hempcrete and things like that is availability. There's a lot of places where you can't just call up your local builder and be like, hey, I need 200 tons of hempcrete to build my 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 dream house or you know it's when the, about two years ago i started calling people about that because i wanted to get some to try out they sent me a small block about this big and i was very very impressed with the strength the weight it was like it was like a toy almost but it's so strong it's it was uh, reminded me of like a oh what are those uh you know the air stones that they use in ponds and stuff like that? That's what it reminded me of, but lighter. But you could step on the thing and not not smash it. It was amazing. It had air pockets in it. Just absolutely incredible. Um, I think that that, I, I don't, I think that more impressive than that is like uh, these hemp windows and things like that that um, are going to offer a lot better resistance to breakage and things like that during storms. I think that's where it's at. Yeah, it's pretty incredible when you look at uh, things like that because somebody would see hemp growing out there and they would go, hmm, what can I do with that? Okay, well, as you mentioned before, and we had a link to that in one of the shows, uh, they're making, they, well, they've made clothes out of hemp for a long time. Our forefathers did that. They make rope out of it. Now you're talking about, or now we're talking about they're making building materials, which doesn't seem like a stretch. But then when you say, okay, hemp windows, I mean, that's a pretty that's a pretty big step from I'm going to take hemp like cotton and make clothing out of it or something like that. Now I'm going to make a window out of it. That's pretty, that's pretty revolutionary. If you ask me, I mean, maybe they did it before, but I've, I've never heard of it, but that's, that's pretty interesting. Well, they, they do it with corn. They make plastics out of corn and all it is, is a type of plastic. It's a plastic okay. window, but made with hemp plastic. Um, it's not super complicated, simple science. Um, and I, I think that there are easier ways. I think that you're going to see a lot more um, 
as times get tougher, I think that you're going to see some people who have resources come together and help uh, fund a lot of research into low-cost building. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot of startups, small startups like uh, with building hempcrete blocks and things like that. And I think that the future really isn't um, what people are thinking. I think the future for uh, the a lot of these startups and stuff is like having um, universal, like you've got dimensional and then you've got, you know, the type of lumber you buy. And, you know, a, a two by four is not really two inches by four inches. Go measure one one of these days. Okay, it's not truly dimensional, um, but there but there are standards, and with those standards, it makes it a lot easier to build. Okay, I think that you're going to see those same that same standardization come up with like uh, whether it be hemp blocks, con, uh, you know, papercrete, what have you. I think that you're going to see a lot more um, in the future. I, I think that is the. Um, I, I really think that that's the future is you're going to see small startups because it's something that doesn't take a lot of money to get a startup going. It doesn't take a whole bunch of land. You can stack those blocks very high safely if, if they're done correctly. Um, they're fairly light, but they're not light, so light that they're going to get blown around like, you know, like plastic Legos out in the yard. Um, yeah, I, I think that you're going to, David, one of that. the yeah, one of the things on the hempcrete that I noticed was the blocks. I don't know how big they were. They were probably if you if you built with the blocks instead of just you know you did your frame and then you're taking and you're pouring in the hempcrete to make your walls. The the blocks were much thicker. They were probably two or three times thicker than a regular wall. They might be like my wall. I think my walls are are two by six on the on the outside. So, but they would have those and they would have an R value like of thirty. Just with the block, you, no insulation or nothing. You, you already got your insulation in your wall in one thing, uh, you know, in an interlocking kind of mechanism. And my understanding was the only parts for wood were the frame. Well, in that case, you didn't even have to have a frame around it, but you might have to have some wood with a with a top layer on it that you could sit your rafters on because obviously you're not making your rafters out of that. Although that could be, I mean, if they're making windows out of it, they can make some rafters out of some uh, some hemp too, I'm sure. Well, what they, what I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see a lot of people. Um, I, I don't know. Are you familiar with the plastic deck building material, the um, tracks and stuff like that? I'm not a huge fan of it. I think I've seen back. that. I think I've seen that. And let me address Sherry. Will it go up in smoke? Ask, actually, Sherry, you can't catch it on fire. That's one of the interesting things about that hemp, hemp stuff, too, is it won't catch on fire. The same thing with paper creek. It, you can take a blowtorch to it. It's not going to start on fire. Um, I've seen straw bale houses. You can take a blowtorch, walk up to them, even with no stucco on the side of them, take the blowtorch, try to sit there and get it started. And the thing, it'll, it'll char, but it won't start a fire. It's, it's very incredible. Um, when you compress something. You give it no room for oxygen to get in there and yep, feed the fire. Yep. Makes sense. But I think that something like that Trex, I think you're going to see some type of a industrial hemp um, that they're, they're going to make some type of a hemp fiber board. They, they already have them. I, I saw, can't remember where I saw them. Maybe someone, maybe someone I talked to on the phone um, 
mention it or sent me an email or something. There, we, there's a lot of wonderful people out there looking for solutions um, for America right now. There's, there's a lot of people who are, you know, praying and, and doing what they can to help their neighbors, their community, you know, whether it be growing food, whether it be, um, you know, inventing new, better ways to do things. There was a guy I actually met out in Arizona who had a, uh, it was a little Mazda pickup truck bed converted into a trailer. And then he went and because it, the, it, it was a rear wheel drive, he flipped the differential up um, and he put blades in there to be able to, he would throw his concrete and everything in there and he'd go to town <laughs> It would shred up all the concrete and everything for him to make his paper creep bo- blocks for building. Incredible. He built and everything. And I mean, you could take a baseball bat. You could be banging away on these. You could take a sledgehammer. It was, it was incredible. But there is going to be a lot of development that goes into a lot of these, um, these alternatives now. You know, it's just like the fertilizer crisis. There's a lot of people who are now experimenting with, um, composts and uh you know liquid fertilizers like comfrey tea um which is just a com- uh, comfrey tea when people say that in an agricultural standpoint they're talking about uh, ferment but you're you're going to see a lot more progression on these things as times get tougher you saw that during the great depression you saw um there were in a, there there is going to be innovation the harder times get the more innovation there will be yeah, Mr. Wordsworth is uh, commenting in the chat. He's saying necessity is the mother of invention. That's exactly right. Uh, in fact, a lot of, one of the things I learned from Dr. North when I worked for him uh, when he was alive uh, was the idea that a lot of businesses come from inventions and and what men are trying to do in in difficult times where the economy's not doing real good, and a lot of businesses are spawned out of that, which then drives the economy up because people are looking for a different kind of solution because, um, you know, uh, Kelly was making mention uh, in the chat. She got her a place to stay. Praise the Lord for that, because I know she was having some difficulty. Uh, glory to God for that. And I use SDG in there. I've told you guys what that means. Sola Deo Gloria. All glory to God. Um, so she she was in a situation looking for that. Um, we're getting into that now. I wish there was a. Well, there is. We've talked about gardening. There's a way to, to cut that food bill uh, quite a bit. You can do your own gardening and do some of those things. Well, the same thing can happen in this. So let me ask you this. My wife and kids. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Let me tell you guys the cheap. If you want the cheapest, easiest building material or uh, building to put up that you can do that I have seen that is portable, that is man portable. You can pick it up. You can put it in the back of your little VW bug. It might take you two trips to move it somewhere because you might have to do it in two traps trips. But you can, um, the, uh, if you've ever seen yurts, Y-U-R-T, yurts, um, if you've seen yurts, you can build your own yurts. If you've got a table saw, um, that makes it a lot easier because you can rip things. And then you can go and build a, um, you know, a temporary dwelling that is portable. So now you can be nomadic. So now someone who doesn't have the resources to go buy land can find someone who has bought land, make an agreement with them. Hey, you know what? I see that you've got 600 acres here. How would you like someone to come and farm a few acres of it? You get some food out of the deal and I get a free place to stay. 
you know, there's a lot of options like this where you don't necessarily need to own the land to be able to get beneficial use out of it. And I think that you're going to see a lot more of that too, as a lot of these large landholders, i.e. farmers, um, you know, they can't get fertilizer. 900 bucks a ton. Yeah, that's right crazy. Now, fertilizers? Yeah. Yeah, you got to come mean, up. That's you got to have another solution. You know, one of the things, uh, David, and I told Mr. Wordsworth that he kind of read my mind. I was kind of going there when we're talking about some of this right out of Scripture. Check this out, guys. Um, all the This is from Proverbs chapter 8. Uh, all the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There's nothing forward or perverse in them. They're all plain to him that understandeth and write to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Listen, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions <laughs> the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and evil way in the forward mouth do I hate. And so even in the midst of that, we're seeing that that God is instructing us that wisdom drives these kinds of things, the, the very things that we're talking about. So I, I want people to understand when we talk about using the Bible and the Constitution to see who's on the, on the straight and narrow kind of issue, the Bible does have something to say about this wisdom that we use even for inventing things and for uh, doing all these things. It's not like we're taking God by surprise. We may even be thinking his thoughts after him and what we're doing. Well, and I, I would have, I would say something that I've met a lot of inventors over my life. I've been really blessed to meet some really cool people. And I think that the problem is, is that, you know, we, we try to glorify the inventor and many inventors don't really consider themselves all that great. Um, you know, they, they just think of like, Hey, you know what? I was just looking to fill a solution, um, or find a solution to a problem that no one else really seemed to care about like I did. And they're looking to make the world a little bit better place. And I think that that's a noble thing. And, and doing the right thing is never a multiple choice question. You know, we live in a Amen. age of, um, of moral relativism. And that moral relativism has really crippled people because they're, they're always asking like, oh, well, is it going to look right in so-and-so's eyes? It doesn't matter if it looks right in their eyes. It matters if it looks right in the creator's eyes. That's right. You know, because you're standing before him one day. Yep. Yep. I, my, so, my point is, is for people who think there is the secular and the sacred uh, I, I heard something uh, here recently where somebody used the term the sacred and the profane. I'm like, well, wait a minute. Everything is under the rule of King Jesus. Everything on this planet is. And the fact of the matter is we should see it that way, too, in seeing all things as sacred. Men profane the sacred. That's the problem. And we've got to start seeing it. This is, I think this is why the bad teaching in the church leads to bad politics, bad governing, and all this other because they've left off the fact that that is a sacred office that, that men go in to hold and do these kinds of things. But I wanted people to see that even the things that we're talking about now, we're talking about gardening, we're talking about dealing with, I mean, yesterday's show, I got to tell you, it just gave me a whole new view of the small little world that's around my, that's on my property. Uh, because I see you were showing how those things work together. And that was the way God had an intention to where 
all of his creatures could could be beneficial to one another if man will simply obey him uh, that we can we can bring those things we can take dominion over those things and use them in a way that glorifies him so that's that's where i wanted to encourage people what you're learning now is not something secular it's something sacred and it's something to be used for the glory of god well and i would i would say that there are uh, there you know i've got a nephew and he always he asked me i think he was uh I can't remember how old he was when he asked me this. He was, I don't know, six. I don't know. So he asked me, Uncle David, what's the difference between knowledge and wisdom? And I thought that was an impressive question. Yes, it's a good so question. I, told, I will have to get back to you on that. So a few days later, you know, I prayed about it a little bit. And I heard a friend mention something. And he goes, you know, Knowledge is knowing how to pick your nose. Wisdom is knowing when and where to do it. Yes. So he said, don't just pray for the knowledge, pray for the wisdom to use the knowledge. So with that said, you know, the thing is, is God's way is easy. You know, man tends to overcomplicate it. We, we put up sacred cows. Um, you know, we look at, just go read the Old Testament, how, um, how, you know, Israel just kept over and over again, you know, after they come out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness and <laughs> just the, the golden calf and everything, it's all right there. And that, that book has a lot of knowledge in it, a lot of knowledge, wisdom, and discernment. And the more you read it, the more that, that will be given unto you. Because you can be trusted with little, can be trusted with much. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, the Bible says the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord, and so is the beginning of wisdom. So, yeah, it's, it, that's exactly right. Knowledge anybody can obtain, but wisdom, oh, that's a whole different issue. Somebody can, you, you ever seen these kids that they go to, they go to college, they come out and they, they can tell you how you're to build your business, how you're to market and this, that, and that. They never done it the, a day in their life. And you say, okay, go do with it. And they go, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, you just told oh. me. <laughs> they oh. don't know how to put into practice what they've learned. And that's what I'm hoping to instill from the series of shows that we're doing is that we give people knowledge. David has often told me, he said, look, I'm not telling people how to do stuff. I'm telling, I'm just throwing out things to hopefully get them thinking, give them ideas, and then they have to formulate that for whatever situation there is. And I think that takes a level of humility too, to simply say, here's some things I've learned, you know, and David takes in some things that people have taught him and says, well, I learned that. And I'm going to see how I can integrate that with what I do. So that's what we're trying to do here. When we're talking about these things is not tell you every little step of things. We're giving you some ideas. And hopefully that stimulates you to put that into practice, what you're doing. Now, David, I want to ask you something, because we got largely into the area of of sort of commercial things where people can you know, build their houses this way and that. My wife and kids would love if I built a little hobbit house back in the woods somewhere. I'm not going to say where. Uh, but, you know, we've got some fairly big hills on the back of our property. And one of the things I'd like to do is be able to do that. So... Can I do that with some of the things that you're talking about here? And, and what kind of yeah. uh, what kind of issue are people, if they don't want to go bugging out, as it's saying, you get away from the area you're in, and you just want to get away from the structure that's on the road like our house is, and you want to go back in the woods to kind of for a protective measure or something like that, 
what kind of what kind of situations are people looking at to to build or to construct in in that area of land? Okay, so there are a few concerns that I've run across numerous times. Drainage is a huge one. If you build on a hill, water is going to come down this way. So if you dig out an area, water is going to want to come down behind and push its way under whatever you're building. So you need a good drainage, i.e. good foundation. The drainage for the foundation is just as important as the foundation is, um, in my humble opinion. And the next thing that you need to ask yourself is what resources are available on the land, then what type of uh, building can you accomplish, and how long do you want this thing to be there? You know, are you looking for a very temporary building? Are you looking for something very primitive? Are you looking for something more refined? You know, there's, there's ways to, I've seen some very primitively built things that people have done some amazing stuff to. And it's really how much time, money, energy you're willing to, you know, those are all resources also. So if you're looking to build like a little hobbit hole or something like that, you might want to look into the rammed earth is, is probably one of my favorites. Um, hypoallergenic there. If you're willing to put the time into that, either rammed earth, um, earth, earth and bag construction, you can go look at that up. Um, it's time consuming, but if you've got enough extra hands to help, it can go very fast. Um, that would be an option, earth and bag construction. And then now, granted, you were talking about earlier the uh, hempcrete, how you know you did ha- need to add some wood so you could hang doors and stuff like that. I'm familiar with that. That's actually used much in um, in cob building, in uh, adobe building, in, in all kinds of different building that's used. Um, a lot of concrete and stuff, you know. So you can actually, you could probably build that thing 50 different ways. Um, my favorites are probably rammed earth, earth bag, and or concrete or a paper creed or something like that back in there. And then you could always, uh, you know, if you wanted to, have you ever, there's a book called the, I've got it over, I've got it in the books. I'll get it out. It's called the uh, Hand Sculpted House. I think it's what it's called. It's talking about cob building, you know, just strong clay. And it's a, you know, they built a beautiful house. You could build a hobbit house that way if you wanted to. Um, the the other thing is, if you're thinking about building um, any kind of shelter like that, think about turning your roof into a garden. Think about it. You know, your your roof is at the same level as the you know, as the ground. So turn it into a garden. You know, you're digging it all up anyways. You're not going to have to worry about any rocks or anything like that. You know, you could put some kind of a uh, real heavy uh, plastic down to create a vapor barrier. And then you could put some type of a, whether it be a compost and uh, sand mix or something like that up there to really get things jump started and you could grow you can grow a huge amount of food in a very small area um, so that's an option the thing you know people talk about timbers and stuff like that well all you really need to make timbers is a draw knife and a way to cut down trees whether that be with an axe or a chainsaw or what have you you don't even need to rip lumber and stuff you can actually build log cabins and things like that underground you can take 
Um, if you're looking for something now, I'm not going to get into the health, possible health repercussions of using used motor oil or anything like that. Um, but you can take used motor oil, you can mix it 50, 50 with kerosene. Um, and you can use that as to make your own treated lumber. Um, that's a way to make it last for a very, very really? long period. Of yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Um, now I'm sure the EPA is is not very happy that I just shared. Yeah, it's that none of their you. business. Yeah, um, you know, I think that I think that's okay. This is my my opinion. I have no science to back this up, but if you look at the contents of pressure treated lumber, how long it lasts? I've seen pressure treated lumber not last as long as home treated lumber with um, with the oil and kerosene mix. And then the, that same oil and kerosene mix can also be used on, uh, you know, I've seen people use it on raised beds, make them last indefinitely. I've seen 20, 30 year old raised beds made with pine. I don't know any other way that you can make them last that long. Wow. So now there, there is another way that you can make them last that long and that's using tree resin. Um, but now, David, let me let me ask you something because we're getting close to the end of the show, so we're going to carry you over a little bit. So, if people want to continue on with us, sonsoflibertymedia.com is where you want to go. When you're talking about uh, treating this lumber, are you talking about just taking a paintbrush and applying that fifty-fifty mixture on there, just in case people were understanding, or do you have to do something a little more than that, like have a trough that you drop it in and let it soak? Some people do that. That's probably the best way, especially when the temperature when there are going to be big temperature swings. You know, so like you could have it out in the sun, have that trough out in the sun, um, you know, in the spring or fall when it's uh, when the temperatures really shift uh, dramatically and you could leave it out there for a few days in that. And I bet you that would last probably 100 years. Wow. I That's bet. just incredible. Because I, I saw I saw posts teep, or uh, big posts that were treated on a farm out west. In a little town in California, a little, it's a ghost town now, pretty much. But I got to meet a family that had a homestead up there. And I got to see these posts that were in the ground. They must have been, the family hadn't lived there in 60 years. And they were still like. That's incredible. There was there than I. It was like they were planted a year or two ago. Yeah, David, hang, hang on. Hold your thought. Tell people where they can find out more about you. We've got about uh, 15 seconds here. TheMiraclesab.com. You can go there and support our ministry, support what we're doing, and help us help others. Amen. Amen. And just to let you know, we had a conversation the other day. Uh, I was just telling people about David and about how he had treated our family, how he's treated others. And, um, you know, David doesn't sit here and push his product. I'm probably the person who does that for him uh, simply because I believe the worker is worthy of his wages. So he spends his time with us. He gives of his time. He gives to others. And uh, go and support them there at themiraclesab.com. Catch us here, and then we'll be back in the morning at 8 a.m. right and early with Kate Shimarani. See you. All right. want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. Didn't mean to cut you off there, just this clock thing. Okay. you gotta, you got to deal with it. So uh, continue your thought there, man. Okay, so the next thing is, so that's one option, the used motor oil and kerosene. You can all, um, I will warn you of this. I know some people have used gasoline and they have used that, but that's, uh, you know, gasoline is very, very easy to ignite. 
Um, yeah, but after the, if you're doing it on a wood or something, let me ask this: if you're doing it on a wood and you have allowed that thing to kind of, I don't know, it's going to bend. Yeah, it's going. The yeah. vapor is going to go off, and the vapor is what's flammable, not the liquid. So if you if you leave that outside, you're you're going to obviously want to keep it on on keep an eye on it, but probably in a much cooler weather or cooler climate, let that thing kind of dry out a little bit. It shouldn't be flammable at all, should it? The the people, yeah, once it's dried, the people that I've met that have done that, it's been out of necessity. And normally that's when they're going to be spraying it on or doing something like that, if that makes sense. Um, you know, spraying it on or rolling it on where they need a really, uh, the the gasoline seems to cut it better than the or make it I, I don't know how to describe it to you it's like it penetrates in a little bit better um it doesn't get as heavy of a coat as with the kerosene so maybe there needs to be some more experimentation and testing you know if i had a big enough piece of land i'd put a thousand posts of each and tell you in 10 years like okay there's no difference or whatever <laughs> but i i don't have that ability um that is one option. Another option that you may want to look into is, like I was saying earlier, you can make your own timbers just by having a draw knife and peeling off the outer bark because that's where bugs like to hang out is in that uh, outer bark. Just by peeling it, you make it last so much longer. And then by applying something like, you know, you could apply, you could apply a tree resin um, mixed with like charcoal. You can make it's like an epoxy, and that you put that on there it'll last indefinitely there are 100 there are 200 year old stumps out west that you can go out there and the integrity of the stump is still there you know pine trees and things like that with resin on them um, another option is in uh in the nordic countries they used to they had like a whole moon cycle and all this that they would go by in the springtime they would go and they would use these big long poles with scrapers on the end and they would scrape out sections of bark over this tree to slowly kill the tree but it would suck up tree resins into the that um that wood and make it last almost indefinitely um this this fat it basically creates a fat wood a very resinous wood and that that wood lasts very very long that is another natural option um there are so many options. It just depends on what you've got. You know, building with rock is another great option. Um, most people don't realize how easy that is. Um, you can build your own uh, your own retaining, um, or I'm sorry, forms. You can build your own forms and put the rocks down in there and put the mortar and everything down in there. You can do all that yourself if you wanted to. And I've actually seen people who have not done it with uh, traditional mortar. What they've done is they've taken... Um, a mix of soil and stuff like that. And they have uh, basically made their own version of rammed earth and put it in between uh, rock, large rocks and stones and things like that to build a place. Well, that, so that you, know, is a you know, David, one of the things is, is for my mom and dad's house, I think it was built in the 30s or 40s. And I remember having to go up under there and clean out from when we would kill a, a rat. And these were not mice. These were like small cats is what they were and they would come out of the field and they would get up under there and when i went up under there i was surprised to see their foundation pillars were just that they were rock they weren't brick they weren't even though the foundation around the outside was cement block under it they mortared together just to whatever i guess whatever rocks they found they were of significant size but 
they use those for the pillars for the the underpinning of the foundation. I, I and that was in like the 30s and 40s. I would if they took cement block around the outside. Why didn't you just do cement block in the inside? But I guess it was to save a few bucks or something. I don't know. Well, rock actually works really really well. Um, I've seen I have seen cabins from I would say probably late 1800s. I've seen a lot of cabins from the late 1800s, and they would use just rocks as the piers for the foundation. So, you know, in rocks, that the rocks will outlast the building. So that that's definitely an option for many people. You know, if you're looking for low-cost building um, options, there's many out there, especially if you're, you're willing to put in the time. Like I said, the yurts, you can find plans for yurts online, and you can build those things. You, I, I saw a guy out west. He built a yurt. He put fiberglass insulation, uh, or well, there was a vapor barrier, fiberglass insulation, and then and that was on the inside. And then on the outside of the wall, he had tarps to create, uh, you know, a, a waterproof seal and everything. And then he built his own. He he bought a piece of uh, plexiglass and he built his own uh, dome for the middle. And uh, built his own chimney, uh, chimney adapters and stuff. So he did that whole thing. It was like a 30-foot diameter circle that the whole thing would, you know, the lattice work and everything would fold up and go into the back of a car. Okay. 30-foot diameter. That's a pretty good size building. And it would take like three or four hours for him to set it up by himself. So that that is definitely an option. Um, you know, a lot of pioneers... You know, you could look at what the pioneers did. They used a lot of uh, tents and uh, hot tents, you know, a, a tent basically with a wood stove in it. That is an option. The thing is, is um, I, I wouldn't go out and buy one. I would build one. And there's plenty of videos on YouTube about using tarps to build um, hot tents and that kind of thing. That would be something that, you, that people could look into if they were looking for something more temporary. Um, they can also look into, um, there's a couple of good books on this, Barns and Outbuildings and How to Build Them. This is a wonderful book, little nugget for you guys. And then, uh, and that's by Practical Plans for Handyman, uh, forward by Nathaniel Tripp. And then there's also, this is Shelters, Shacks, and Shanties and How to Build Them. wonderful books and they will give you so much information in there um i i am very very impressed because they they have great illustrations and it's coming from a place you've got to remember this is back these are coming from a time that america was much more self-reliant so a lot of this generational knowledge you know it's like um i had family members that i am so happy left um, you know, written accounts and stories and things like that from uh, from a time that seems so long ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. You know, we haven't had electricity that long in this country, and this country is not that old. America is a very young land. Um, now, if you're looking for a book that is going to talk about more um, impromptu shelters and more primitive shelters, um, now this book touches on like a few of them and 
it's probably a good book to get anyways, especially if you're going to be teaching your children um, outdoor survival or anything like that. But it's Outdoor Survival Skills by Larry Dean Olson. A classic. I've read this uh, numerous times. And, oh, Now, those are, those are probably my three favorites. And then if you're looking for, if you're looking to learn how to build with rock, if you're looking to, uh, if you're looking to learn how to build log cabins, peel uh, things, make, uh, po- or make different tools and stuff, if you have a blueprint to look at, you don't necessarily need exact dimensions and everything. You can build pretty much anything if you, if you can see it. And, you know, what one man can do, another man can do also. That's right. David, I, I sent these out so people can see them. Now, that's all right. I, I sent these out to people. Again, this is just so I got some links in the chat. Uh, they'll be in the archive as well. Again, you don't have to buy it from Amazon. I'm just giving it to you no. so you you remember the name of the book and you can source it out wherever you want to do it. And then, then there's actually, there's a great company. Um, I think that they're doing the Lord's work because instead of burning books, they're selling them at a discount. Um, and that is Hamilton Books. Um, you know, in this day and age, every penny counts. And there's a lot of books that are available from Hamilton Books that are like, you know, under 10 bucks, and they're brand new. Um, a lot of these titles that I'm talking about, you can't necessarily find at your local bookstore. You know, there's a lot. Nowadays, it's all filled with fantasy. Which, I mean, if that's what you like to read, that's great. I'm into more of the practical knowledge. Um, Now, Hamilton, the reason I like them also is they offer very low-cost shipping. And they offer a wide range of topics, both on history, politics. um, They even have some religious books. um, They have a lot of gardening books, a lot of them. And... I think that it could be a really big blessing, especially if like a a homeschool collective or something like that came together. Um, You know, you could get a whole library for fractions, uh, pennies on the dollar. A practical number. I'll get get the link for you because what I pulled up, it looked like it was fantasy and all that other for a Hamilton book. But I'll get the link from you. I'll have that in the archive for the people, too. David, let me let me ask you. Go ahead. You can actually, when you sign up with Hamilton, they will send you catalogs and things like that. When you sign up with them, you can tell them what books or what uh, what genres what and stuff you're interested in. Categories interest you that they carry. Okay. All right. L- let me ask you this, because we've kind of covered some of this as far as the building materials and stuff. Obviously, makeshift shelters would probably be things like using foliage, using... Um, um, how did they used to do the thatch roofs and stuff like this? You could do that on a very small um, scale. And the thing works kind of, my understanding is it's working very much like what we talked about with the hempcrete, where it won't catch on fire. Well, the water's not going to drill through it, drive through it too. It's just going to fall off of it. So those are those are the makeshift shelters. They can be done pretty quickly. I guess some people could use some tarps if they want to throw that in a bag or something uh, that they could have. Uh, do you well, want to speak to that, and then let's go to some bit of on roots root cellars, whether up above ground or, or below ground. Okay, well let me let me talk about two really really easy okay. uh, shelters. Um, U.S. military poncho and poncho liner are like for the weight man. They are amazing. 
Um, I've used them for a long time, never had, I've not really complained that much. I mean, there are modifications you can do. There are different uh, things that you can do to improve the system. But for a lightweight, you know, um, spring, summer, fall, um, in most parts of the country, that, that's a pretty good setup. And uh, you can add some wool blankets in and stuff to keep it very lightweight. Um, but that, that's a wonderful lightweight option, you know, for a backpack, maybe a little bit lighter than a tarp. People can use a tarp. There's no problem with that. I just like the poncho, the military poncho, because it'll fit over you and a backpack. So if you're hiking or something like that, it's just a lot more convenient. Okay. Now, as far as root cellars, um, I think the number one problem with root cellars that I see is probably mold inside of them because they get too much. People dig into the side of a hill. They, they set it all up and everything, and they don't think about water. So you, you, need, you need not only good drainage, but you need good waterproofing. Um, so what that means is like using some kind of a sealant um, on the concrete or whatever you're using. I've seen people use even beeswax, um, you know, beeswax with a brush, put that on. Um, seems to work. I mean, if it works, it's not stupid. And I don't know everything. I, I wouldn't have thought that it would have worked like it did. But I mean, it's been probably a year and a half so far and they're having no issues with it so that's pretty impressive to me yes could you um, could you could they go in there and actually derive the honeycomb itself and pull it out and just kind of scrub that puppy on the, on the walls of what they're doing i'm just kind of curious make something a little simpler i don't know well what no what it was was they had an abundance of wax because they had had a whole bunch of honeybees die that was my limited comprehension on the subject um, so they had a bunch of wax left over and they made candles with it. They did a whole bunch of projects with the children and money was tight. Um, you know, this is right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so they, had, they, they set that aside, um, knowing that there's a million uses for it. And we done, we did some projects together. Like one of them we did was you take and you can cut, um, pieces of material. You can take olive oil, beeswax, and tree resin. And you can uh, impregnate that material with it. And then that becomes like a reusable saran wrap over glass bowls and stainless steel bowls and things like that for when you put it in the fridge. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, what they did was they, they just took the straight up. They might have added some. I'll, I'll get with them and I'll ask. I think they might have added something with it. But I know that they used a beeswax base. Um, for that so they might have used some oil or something like that to help thin it up a little bit then they just used like a four inch brush in a 12 by 12 and just put that on the walls and that seemed to help a lot with water coming through those walls now i'm not saying it's going to work better than what's commercially available but the price was right yeah, let me ask you something about the root cellar itself, because you mentioned mold it's mold and issues like that. And I know we can get that even with the refrigerator. You, you can have that kind of come in on your on carrots and, and things of that nature. And I've had to go well, in and cut, especially on the ends, cut them off. What about, I'm, what I'm about, or 
I'm sorry. Let me let me ask one question. What about an issue of any light getting in there, or is part of the issue of the seller not to let the light in? Um, it seems to me like a little bit of light without trying to generate too much heat would actually be a good thing to keep some of that mold down, would it not? It's it's an air circulation problem. A lot of people don't think of uh, you need some kind of a vent or something okay, like that. You I got you. Look up seller vent uh, diagrams. Um, what you need is you need constant airflow, um, but you don't want it to get below freezing in there. You know, you don't, you want it just above freezing. That, that is the goal. So you've got to figure out how deep that means for you. You know, what, what works for a guy up in Wisconsin will not work for me necessarily or vice versa, um, depth wise. So the airflow thing, that's, that's the main thing. And then when it comes to carrots and you know, a little bit of mold on the end or whatever. I remember growing up, we'd take, you know, um, the big strawberries we get out of the garden. You'd have a bad spot. You know what you did? You took a knife, you cut the cut bad out. spot. Out, yep. And then that got fed to the chickens. So it got recycled. There was no waste. Yeah. And that's how it used to be in America. But no, I, I, mine, mine was just a curiosity of, how to keep that from doing so so in essence basically when you're doing the root cellar you're thinking about the same thing that you do for crawl space and people are making mention of that in here is that you've got vents on your foundation so you get that airflow to keep it dry in there so the the type of vents that i'm talking about are different than what you would have on in your crawl space yes um you you want the thing is is there's an optimum ratio of moisture and the other thing is is you're uh, a really well set up root cellar will have separations um, because you don't want like your onions and your apples right next to one another. Okay. So you need some, uh, uh, some organizational help. And then there are certain things that do very well in high humidity. So like carrots, in, if you store them in wet sand or damp sand, they last for like a year that way. Like you can pull them right out of, and I take them, I put them in a Tupperware container with wet sand in there. That's the, that's the ticket right there. If you wanted a nugget today, that's your nugget. (laughs) And don't do them in too deep of one. Like this deep is just perfect. And then, um, yeah, that's, that's the, the trick. Okay. So. So let's let's be clear about this. So you're you're taking and you're doing Tupperware, you're putting sand in there, but you're putting wet sand in there, but you're wanting to control the moisture. Tell me how that's going to work there for what you're putting in. So what what I do is I put in damp sand, not really wet okay, sand. Okay. Just, um and what what my goal is, I don't want any standing water at the bottom. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the carrots in there. And I'm going to put those in the coolest place I have in the root cellar, like probably on the floor near a vent or something like that. I'll stack up a bunch of them. The, the reason I do it that way is because the carrots don't mind cool and they don't mind not a ton of oxygen circulation. By putting them in the sand, man, damp sand, they just last so long. I mean, you just, you can't get better than that. That's the I mean, I've seen other people who storm in like sawdust and things like that. And it just, it works, but not nearly as well. Okay. All right. Um, now it comes to see, and there are, 
there's a lot of books written on root celery. Um, you know, I'm not the end all be all, but the other thing that I really like about root cellars is you can organize all of your fermentation. So you can go take all your sauerkraut and all that stuff that, you know, our ancestors, that was what got them through the winters. Okay. Um, when you're talking about these really harsh, you know, Montana, Wisconsin, the, um, you know, a lot of these northern states that have harsh winters, that's how our four, our ancestors really got through the winter was uh, fermentation because that was a way to store things before there was canning. Um, so lactic fermentation, um, there's a number of different ways to do things. I've, I've had fermented ketchup. I've had, uh, you know, kimchi, um, different different things like that over the years. And you know what? Believe it or not, fermented carrots are probably one of the, like, everybody I've met loves fermented carrots. Interesting. It's like a treat. I don't know why, but it's like the, uh, they'll still have a crunch to them, but they'll be sweeter. Hmm. Like some of those Japanese carrots you get at the uh, Japanese restaurant, huh? When they're when they're cooking up their stuff. <laughs> well, these are these are um, you know what I might do I might do a video on on doing some basic lactic fermentation that might be helpful for some people. Hmm. Hmm. David, what else do we got? Is there something else you want to touch on here? Final tips I, or some some nuggets you want to throw out there as well? On the on the root cellar, always make it twice as big as what you think you're going to need because. If you if you start growing your own food, you're going to start putting more and more of it up. Yep, and be a blessing. So that means if you put up a bunch of it, um, don't forget about your neighbors. Don't forget about your loved ones. Don't forget about those people. And you can also store things in a root cellar, like dry goods. You can store in a root cellar. Um, you can store a lot of things in there that you wouldn't think you can store in there. Um, and the reason I talk about circulation is you can always like you can always isolate things in tupperware containers you can always uh, control their humidity that way but you can't always um you know if you if you made the whole thing super humid you you it's harder to make things in smaller spaces less humid than it is to make them more humid like in a tupperware container or something like that like with the carrots um and then there are plenty of resources out there on root cellaring. Um, you know, what, what humidity ranges, different things like, and all that. I mean, you can get up to a year out of some apples that you grow on the homestead. That's a long time in a root cellar. I, and I've seen things like that, like, you know, a lot of the black Arkansas, the honey crisps, a lot of those store extremely well. So that might be something to think about. Um, you know, root cellars are, are something that a lot of people just don't think much anymore. And you, you can store, as long as it doesn't freeze, you can store canned goods down there. You can store a number of things down there. So it's really a versatile place that you can store so much stuff. And it gives you a way to store it without having to pay for refrigeration costs in rising energy days yeah no i, I uh carol <laughs> no carolyn it's not that they're rooted i think he's just saying you can use it as a cool environment to to keep those that the apples and things like that it's not talking about uh, this necessarily no. but he's talking about they're, they're 
instead of refrigeration, you've got a you've got a cool place that you can store some of this stuff, like the canned goods and other things like that as well. And I will. There is another nugget. You do want no light in the uh, root cellar, okay? Unless opening the door, or maybe you have a window that you cover or something like that. Um, you you don't want light getting in there because you're going to be storing a lot of potatoes. You're going to be storing a lot of things like that. That if they have light exposed to them, they're going to start. Uh, you know, the the potatoes will sprout. Um, you know, things will start to ripen as the potatoes start to sprout. They let off gases. Those gases affect other things. So you don't want light in there when you're storing stuff, but a little bit of light when you go in there to move things around and that kind of thing, not a problem. Okay. All right. And by the way, we're going to tell you, uh, David and I have talked about it. One of the things when we bring him back on probably in a week or so, one of the things, the most, probably the most important thing, we're going to be talking about tree resins because um well that's one of david's specialties so we're going to be doing a whole show on tree resins different kinds of tree resins and what their uses are but community because both of us are the same mindset that we can't do this alone you know bradley mm -hmm. says on the show he says we can do this together and he's talking about we can bring justice back to our country we can live free again and those kinds of things well, the same thing happens when we're dealing with maybe there's a crisis on the horizon, which there is. There's a bunch of them that's piling up. Uh, but the people are going to have to come together on that. They're, they can't be separated out into skin colors and all this other stuff that they want to divide us on. We have got to look out for one another and to do, in fact, what Jesus said, and that is to love one another. They'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. And that's not the Budweiser thing of, I love you, Dave, man. I love you, bro. It's not that. It's in demonstration of what we do for others. And so be looking forward to that. Lord willing, we're going to have that in a couple of weeks and some other things. David, I'm going to give you the last word. And if you want to tell people where they can find out about you and your products and your ministry there, please do that as well. So um, I'll leave you all with this. Worry is a sin. And we are not meant to worry. We were not given a spirit of fear. We're supposed to be a blessing to those around us. Share everything you can with everyone you, you care about. And remember that loving others is um, doing what they won't do for themselves. So sometimes that means growing extra food. Sometimes that means maybe you do something or some random act of kindness. Remember that we are supposed to be a light in dark times. Um, and when with with all the, the things in this world going on, you may you may just save someone's life by being there just kind um you know remember that we are supposed to be a living example and pray for wisdom and discernment every day remember that what one man can do another man can do also and that it's out of love that we do these things you know it's out of love that we share it's out of love that we that we build community that we that we try to help one another out and if you'd like to support our ministry, you can go to themiraclesav.com. If you'd like to um, help out Tim and Bradley, you can go to their website. They've got a donation button up there. I highly suggest that you that you help them out too, because there are there's very few doers out there and very few boat dockers. Um, there's a lot of people who give lip service, but they don't actually do. And you need to be a doer of the word, not just a talker. Amen. Amen. Good words, good words and words of wisdom. David, we appreciate you very much. Thank you, man. I mean, he gets up every morning to come on here uh, with us. He's up anyway, 
It, I don't want to. I want to make it like he's he's uh, fat, dumb, and happy laying in his bed or something. He he's up early and and at the day early anyway. But he spends his time with us and uh, giving you guys uh, some great information, me information too, because I told you I bring people on because I want to learn stuff too. And uh, so I figure if I'm learning something, somebody out there is learning something too. And uh, David, we really appreciate you very much. Hang on and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, Bradley won't be on, I don't guess, at 3 p.m. So don't look for that. But we will be back bright and early in the morning with Kate Shimrani. Um, she told me we were going to have John O'Looney on last week. And, of course, Nikita had to fill in uh, for her because she was uh, speaking. So I don't know. I'll find out today exactly what we're going to have, what our topic's going to be. Um, but uh, catch us in the morning at 8 a.m. And we'll see you bright and early then, Lord willing. Adios.